You are listening to For His Glory, a sermon series exploring God's grace in the book of Romans, preached by Dr. Trent Stewart. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com. We've been in this series on uh, the book of Romans now for quite some time. And so uh, we're in the final chapter. If you got your Bibles, you can turn there. And so I want to start uh, just with some reflection time on kind of where we were when we started and kind of where we're at today. And uh, that's going to lead us hopefully to a, a little bit more deeper and, and inspiring worship as we respond to him today. Uh, but here, here are a few things. We started this series uh, March 4th, 2012. So for 20 months, we've been pouring through and, and going through the, the book. And so how many of you guys were here on that day when we started Romans 1? All right, cool. Several of you guys, several. So, so Greg is going to take you guys to lunch as a reward. It's all on him. See him right after the service. So that's good. <laughs> Can you do that for us? Awesome. So well, another thing that was cool about kind of where we've been is, uh, go ahead and throw up that last, that next one. Um, our attendance has grown by 40%. So the Sunday we started the series, we had 380 people. And so last Sunday we had almost 700 so that is, yeah, that's pretty awesome. Um, that, that to us has been a, a huge blessing. Uh, what's the next one? The next one is we have a, we, we've had 182 new partners join the church. So that's pretty cool too. Now we call members partners. And so that means 182 people have gone through base camp and decided to partner with this church and the vision uh, for what God has for us. So that's awesome too. That's the next one. We baptized 73 people into the kingdom, and that's incredible. And some of those are first-time, absolutely, first-time decisions. Some of those are growing uh, in their walk with Christ as well. Um, the next one is, you know, we bought this facility. It was not a—we're um, almost five years old as a church, by the way. Uh, this spring will be five. And so when we bought this facility uh, two years ago— uh, it was not a, a church, was not intended to be a church. So we've had a ton of renovations to do. So over these last 20 months, uh, here are some things that, that we have done. Uh, we've added a playground uh, for our kids. We've totally redid the landscaping outside. Uh, we've renovated the cafe. Uh, we have renovated the restrooms. We renovated the kids' street area. We renovated and created a care and prayer room. Uh, we renovated two new offices, and finally, we renovated this worship space. So um, if preaching and, you know, pastoring doesn't work out for me, I'm going into construction because I kind of understand it now. So yeah, I mean, a ton of work has been going, and, and that is all because we have partnered together. I mean, so many of you are giving, so many of you have donated time and donated your skills. So um, God is just doing a, a great work there, all just in the confines of this one series. Uh, we also hired two new staff guys. And so it's been a huge addition to have a children's pastor in Brandon and a videographer in Alex to be able to uh, create environments and to be able to help in all these great, amazing ways that we have now here at the church. So uh, great thing. And then finally, we had 75 people in small groups when we started this series. And so one of the thing, uh, things I'm most uh, like happy about is that now we have almost 350 people in small groups. So to me, that is a huge, huge, huge step. I mean, I'm so pumped. People are connecting relationally, growing uh, in small groups and, and connecting to God's words. So, I mean, so much has happened and so many great things that, uh, that, that God has, has done and, and is doing. And, and so we close this series today with the, the final words. And so the final words of the letter are, 
you know, usually the most important when you think about it. I mean, let's just think about a letter that you've written to somebody you love. Maybe your, your spouse or your girlfriend, your boyfriend, and, you know, you maybe didn't write the letter. Maybe you emailed it or typed it or whatever. You texted it, uh, but you wrote something, okay? Now, when you wrote that someone you loved something, you started off and you tried to have a little cute, little funny in there. You know, you wanted to get a little chuckle, a little laugh. And, and, then, and then you started to kind of work your way through it and you kind of got serious and you're like, no, like for real, I love you. Like I think about, you know, you got, got the serious moment and then you got to the end and then you like slowed down. You were flowing from the beginning to the middle and you're at the end now and you're like, dang, how am I going to close this thing? How do I, how do I land the plane? Like, how do I really just sell it? How do I really just let her know, let him know just what I'm feeling? Because the end is like the most important, isn't it? Some of you that are single, you're like, for real? Man, I need to write that down, you know, take some notes there on that. So the end is, is the most important because if the end is like a dud, then that's the last impression, right? She's going to walk away from that letter and be like, dude, that was horrible. Sincerely? Are you kidding me? You just, you know, you don't end sincerely on a love letter, do you? I mean, that was just wrong. So how you end is huge. And so when we look at the Bible today and we look at this, what I think is the greatest letter in the history of the world. There's so much truth in this letter, so much wisdom, uh, so much of God's grace in this. It's, it's, It's the greatest letter of all time. How he ends, I think, is the most important. So to help you kind of realize this, um, I know we've never done this before, but we're going to play a quick game. Because those of you guys that like to play games, I know some of you in the youth ministry, you're like, all right, games. And so, so we've got some gifts for those that get the correct answer and who, who are first in answering this. And they're gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts, okay? So it's like we believe two things will change your life at Foothills Church, the gospel of Jesus Christ and donuts, okay? So we're just going to say it's going to make you a better man, little trinkets and nuggets of, of manna from heaven. So we're going to give that away. And the way that we're going to play this game is that when you think about the, your favorite movie, I mean, you think about like the, the, the all-time greatest movies of, of, of our world, like the ending of that movie is really what nailed, you know, put the nail in the coffin for you. You know, you watch this movie, you've loved it, and then you get to the very end and it's like, boom, they just did something or, you know, they, that one last phrase and you walked out of the movie like, yeah, that's right. That was, that was it, man. That was the best movie, you know? So here's what we're going to do. I've got four questions. Uh, These are the last lines of four of the greatest movies of all time. And I've got some old ones and I've got some new ones. So if you're, if you're young, you know, you're going to have a chance. And if you're, you know, kind of mature, I'm not going to say old, but if you're mature, you're going to have, you know, a chance here at the beginning. So here we go. Number one, last lines of the most famous movie. So I'm going to say the question, ah, back up, dude, back up. Oh, oh, fail, complete fail. No, I got to, I got to say the question, okay? And Greg's going to look for hands. So this is not like kindergarten. We're not going to yell it out. We're we're, we're going to do this now. Put it up, okay? So home, I'll go home and I'll think of some way to get him back. After all, tomorrow is another day. Who was it, Greg? In the back. Boom, gone with the wind. Nicely done. That movie came out in 1939. Wow, that's awesome. Movie buff back there. All right, here's the next one. The next one, how many of you guys grew up in the 80s? 80s people with me? All right, here we go. This, is, this one's for you. So Greg, get, get ready for this. Roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Oh, 
Energy over there. I see it. What we got? Boom. Back to the future. Nicely done. Okay. See that one sentence? We all, we all kind of know it. Some of you are like, oh, I knew that one. Okay. Now this one is one of my favorite movies of all time. So if you know me, that helps you. If you don't, then that, it's not going to help you at all. 1990, it came out. It's kind of long. So let me, let me read this one, all right? Great spirit and the maker of all life. A warrior goes to you swift and straight as an arrow shot into the sun. Welcome him and let him take his place at the council fire of my people. He is Uncas, my son. Tell them to be patient and ask death for speed for they are all there but one. I, who was it? Last of the Mohicans. Nicely done. See, that's one of my favorite movies of all time. Anybody love that one? Love that one, especially the end. It's like, okay, last one. All right, young folks, seriously, if you're under the age of 18, this is your chance. So here we go. Whatever life holds in store for me, I will never forget these words. With great power comes great responsibility. This is my gift. I am, who is it? In the back. Spider-Man, there it is. Boom, nicely done. Hey man, gift cards to Dunkin' Donuts. Now see, listen, short, quick example, like the greatest movies, they end with some of the greatest lines and we remember them. So when we read God's words today, the same concept that as Paul is writing this letter with so much theology, with so much love, with so much passion, you might think that, okay, he's going to land the plane with, you guys need to give more money. You guys need to, you know, wear pants. I don't know. You might think that it's something weird or something like churchy or religious, but it's completely probably not what you think. But it's the most important thing that I think that we could ever take away from this letter. And the most important thing that any of us would ever discover in our entire life. It's that huge. Let's read it. We're going to read the first um, in, in chapter 16. Verses 17 through 23 first, and then we're going to save the, the, the last part here. So here we go. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, to watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. Avoid them, for such persons do not serve our Lord Christ, but their own appetites. And by smooth talk and flattery, they deceive the hearts of the naive. For your obedience is known to all, so that I rejoice over you. But I want you to be wise as to what is good and innocent as to what is evil. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Timothy, my fellow worker, greets you. So do Lucius and Jason. I mean, you guys knew Jason was a biblical name. Hey, Jason's in here. Okay, sweet. All right, there we go. You're, you're in the Bible. And Sosipater. Any Sosipater? Okay, no. Uh, my kinsman. I, Tertius, who wrote this letter, greet you in the Lord. That just means that he was the, he was the secretary, basically. He was the man secretary. Paul was, was dictating. He was speaking, and he was, he was writing it. And verse 23, Gaius, who is host to me and to the whole church, greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, and our brother, Cordus, greet you. Now, we're going to save the last passage there for uh, the end. But let me point out a few quick things today, because we want to worship. We want to celebrate today what God has done and is doing. But most importantly here... As he closes the letter, here's what he focuses on. Unity and God's glory. Unity and God's glory. So if you're taking notes, number one, 
Watch out for divisive people. Watch out for divisive people. When Jesus was about to be arrested in the garden, remember he's praying and he's, he's leaning up against the rock and he's praying and then the guards come and what he is praying for in his last moments before he is arrested is unity between you and I, his church. And so here too, Paul closes one of the greatest letters of uh, the greatest letter of all time with unity. Here's what he says. Watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Watch out for people that create obstacles and cause division. Now, this is huge in a church setting. Now, now you might think that he would say, watch out for all those worldly people because they're evil and they talk mean. He says, don't, we're not worried about them. Watch out for those inside the church who are going to create obstacles and create division. Now, see, that speaks volumes to me. He wasn't warning us about the world and how evil they were and how mean they are. He was warning us about how mean and evil church people are. Isn't that interesting? That interesting that religious people seem to be the focus so much all throughout Scripture. Those people that think that they have all the answers and know all about what God's will is. And then it's them that, that, that Jesus speaks to. And it's here that Paul, you know, stresses to us. He says, watch out for those who cause divisions and create obstacles. Now let's talk about these people. Here are a few characteristics of people that might cause divisions and create obstacles. Uh, First and foremost, they're negative. You know, these negative people that no matter how great the day is or how great work is or how great anything is, they find something wrong with it. You know, these people You love them, don't you? (laughs) That's like, oh crap, there he is. Come on. You know, it's like negative, critical, no matter what is happening, no matter what good is going on, this person, they almost have the spiritual gift of like finding the negative, you know? And it's so like, when I am negative or critical of somebody, you know what I'm doing? I'm like drawing a line and it's like me against you. You ever been on a sports team and like somebody's critical, he shoots too much, he's a ball hog, he does this or whatever. When he becomes critical and negative of the coach or somebody else, then immediately you've just set yourself on this is my side and that's your side and who's with me. And if you're with him, you're against me and it creates division. And ultimately it hurts the goal of the team, which is to win games. And as you think about it spiritually in the church, it hurts us because our goal is to make disciples. And so if we're divided and if we're fighting and if people are negative and creating separation and division, then we're not going to collectively be able to work together for the goal of making disciples. I mean, it's just not going to happen. That's why I believe he stresses another characteristic is that they have selfish motives. Those that would cause division are, are just selfishly motivated. Here's what the Bible, here's how the Bible explains it. It says that, that their own appetites, you see, it's their own appetite that drives them. It's what they want. It's their own preference. It's their own desires that cause them to make decisions and to do things in the church when ultimately it's creating division. Ultimately, it's creating, creating obstacles for people to come and know Jesus, uh, creating obstacles for people to get connected relationally. And if we're laying down these obstacles, we're creating divisions and Listen, I have never heard of a church split or a church dying because of a theological reason. 
Seriously, like in my, my entire life, and I've been around churches and ministry. My dad was a pastor. You guys know that. I've been around. I've never heard of somebody saying that they have split their church because they feel like it's always their own appetites. It's always, I don't like the leadership. I don't like the style of music. I don't like the facility. I don't, the carpet wasn't the color. I it's always a personal own appetite preference issue. And folks, I'm just telling you, if we let our agenda dictate how we react and deal with people in this room, the enemy will jump all over that. And anything positive we talked about at the beginning of the service can be destroyed in a heartbeat. So Paul says, fight for unity. Another characteristic is is just insecurity. So anybody that's usually critical and negative, usually that likes to create division, um, they're usually insecure because they're going to they're gonna, you know, cut other people down because when I cut somebody else down, it makes me look better. It makes me feel, <clears throat> he's not that good of a husband, so he doesn't do this and does that. And as I say that, it makes me feel better because I do do this and that, whatever that might be for you. And so it's like, so it's like if I can insult somebody else, it makes me feel better. You know this to be true. I mean, you guys are around kids. You see kids do this, but then they grow up and they're adults and it's like those habits don't change divisive people, people that would cause obstacles in the way of God's church, insecure, negative, selfish motives. But then finally, probably the, the biggest thing in, in like undergrounds or the foundation of the entire problem is this wrong theology. Paul just points out very clearly, he says they create obstacles that are contrary to the doctrine that you have been taught. And so anytime somebody has wrong doctrine or a wrong understanding of the Bible, then they're going to walk away and they're going to have a a wrong motivation and a a wrong theory and a wrong practicality on how to how to do church and how to live life in uh, relational environments like in the church confines. And so so that's kind of the ultimate like thing. If my theology isn't right, absolutely. I'm I'm not going to see the importance of unity and the importance of how to, like someone said, you know, that we're going to see is like the ability to to agree to disagree on some of these issues that are non-essentials and uh, things that we've talked about in this uh, passage, in this in this book. And then finally, when he talks about deceiving, there are two ways people deceive. Uh, according to this passage, and it's smooth talk and flattery. Smooth talk and flattery. Now, if you've ever bought something and you've walked away with that buyer's remorse and you're like, oh, why did I buy that? You know, it's like the, the vacation deal or the, the car or whatever. And, and you look back on those times when you were suckered, it was, it was smooth talk and flattery that got you, wasn't it? It's like, we're suckers for smooth talk and flattery. Somebody starts flattering you and you're like, oh man, yeah. Oh, sure. How much you need? You know, it's like we're so easy when it comes to that. And, 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 and so in the world, if you're, you know, if you're in, a, in sales and you've got smooth talk, you've got, you know how to use flattery and that kind of stuff, you can manipulate people pretty easily. But then when it comes inside the church, not only is it sin there, but now it becomes divisive in a way that, hey, I'm going to flatter you and smooth talk you so I can get you on my team. So we can kind of come over here and do our thing and we're just going to let them do their thing and, 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 and they don't get us. And we're just going to kind of create what we would call silo ministry and just kind of focus on us and do our thing and just kind of forget about everybody. And we're not going to work as a team. See, division, smooth talk, flattery, all these things uh, create disunity. And what does he say to do? Does he say to, to hang out with them? Does he say to love on them? Does he say to take it? He says very clearly, look at it again. I want you to circle it if you've got your Bibles. I hope you bring your Bible. For your, he says in verse uh, 17, he says to avoid them. Avoid them. 
Now, wait a minute. Oh, we're supposed to love, love people, right? Like Jesus, we're going to just love. So here, here's the deal. If we're not avoiding them, a couple of things are probably happening. You're, you're the kind of person that enjoys gossip. Some of you just need to admit that today. I just love gossip because, you know, you're just kind of walking around. You see like a little group over there and you're like, hold up. What's up? What's up? What are y'all talking about? Who? You, what do you mean you can't tell me? Come on. Come on, man. Come on. It's me. I won't say nothing. You know? Why? Because you got to get in the know. They know something you don't know. I got to know. I ain't going to say nothing. Just share. Because you love gossip. Now, see, the other thing is you, you may walk around and see, see, gossip destroys a church, destroys a team, destroys your work environment, you know, just as quick as it will in the church setting, by the way. So here, the other, other example is like, okay, I hear gossip, <clears throat> so what am I going to do with it? Now, I can just ignore it. You know, I can play the holy card like, well, I'm trying to reach them for Jesus, you know. I'm trying to love on them, you know. And it's like, you know, I, mean, I hang out with them every day, but it's like, you know, they're negative constantly. They're critical. They're divisive. And yet I have this pull. And the reason is because, now listen, the reason is you think you're more influential than the Holy Spirit. You think you're more influential than the Holy Spirit because if I can just get around them and love on them and do that, then they're going to change. It's like, no, you can't change them. The Spirit of God changes them. And if we'll just follow the Bible and avoid them, and then when it comes to us, we can say things like, okay, wait a minute. Have you talked to so-and-so? Look, I don't, I don't want to listen to this. I, I, I think you need to go and, and, and talk to this person. Or, you know what, I just want to stay out of this. I don't, I don't want to get involved. Now, for some of you to do that because you're such a people pleaser, it would freak you out. And you're like, I would like offend them if I said that, wouldn't I? I don't want to offend them. It's like, oh, you're so sweet. You would rather not offend a person and you're okay with offending God by being disobedient to him. You're so nice. Sinner, you know, (laughs) just kidding. So, So it's like we've got to realize that that, folks, is sin. And so, so, I want to avoid. And I want to say, you know what, you need to go talk to or I'm not going to listen to that. And then we give room for the Holy Spirit of God to change. Because when we confront sinful behavior, then a believer has an opportunity for the Spirit to bring conviction in their life. But if I just listen, if I join in, then I am just accepting what is happening here. And and, and God's Word over and over, not just here, over and over, says to deal with this person. And here it says to avoid them. Huge. Um, Then he moves on. He calls us to be wise in verse 19. Uh, There's a difference between knowing a lot of stuff and being wise. You know, that could be a whole sermon, I know, but but knowing a lot of stuff doesn't make you wise. Knowing a lot about the Bible doesn't make you wise. There's a difference here and wisdom comes from God. Knowing how to deal with people, knowing how to discern God's will, that comes from wisdom. And he says, I want you to have wisdom. Wisdom for what? Basically, he says, I want you to know the the difference between right and wrong. And so to know the difference between right and wrong comes God's wisdom into our life. Otherwise, we're just kind of shooting arrows into the dark. It's just kind of how I feel and I create truth myself. But when we understand that God is the all-knowing, wise God, then we can understand that through his wisdom, we know the difference between good and we know the difference between right. And then verse 20, I love this verse. He says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Now let's just, let's just breathe for a second and just realize this. The way of life as we currently know it is ending. 
I mean, Jesus may not come back in our lifetime, but Jesus is coming back. This way of life will soon be at an end. It'll be at an end when Jesus comes or, you know, hopefully in my 70s, 80s maybe, 90s if I'm healthy, you know, then it'll be over. In this verse, he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under our feet. Look, you don't have to worry about death if you're a believer. You don't have to worry about the way that this world, listen, you follow God. You trust him. You realize that, that Jesus on the cross already defeated sin. He already defeated death. He has already won the victory. Satan is not going to come up with a, you know, alternative plan here and kind of come against and kind of beat us. No, we already have victory over sin, over shame, over death. You and I right now, by the power of Jesus Christ living inside of us, have victory over the enemy. Then he gives us the greetings here that we covered. And, and then finally, let's read verse 25 through 27. He, he says this. Now, this is the closing, like the, the words, you know, like this is it. The final, like stamp, the nail. On the, this is how he lands the plane. He says this. Now to him who is able to strengthen you, according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ, according to the revelation of the mystery that was kept secret for long ages, but has now been disclosed and through the prophetic writings has made known to all nations according to the command of the eternal God to bring about the obedience of faith to the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to say something. Everybody, listen. If you don't get anything else from today, if you haven't gotten anything else from this entire sermon series, know this, that everything in this world, every sunrise, Every sunset, every star placed in its specific place, every animal, every person, every breath, everything that has been created is to be formed and created and lives for and points to the glory of God. The second point narrows it down. Pursuing the glory of God is the primary responsibility of mankind. Like you want to know why we exist? You want to know why the, the world is here? Why, why there's sunsets? Why there's life? What, what are we doing in this world? It comes down to this very passage. Like everything that you and I are created for and created to do is to point and give glory to our God. He says to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Everything is for him. Everything is to him. He says in verse 25, he says that we're strengthened through the gospel. You know, some of you, some of you don't realize this, but the more you know the gospel, the more you're strengthened. The more you're able to make decisions based out of strength because the gospel strengthens us. The reasons why it's important to be under the preaching of God's word faithfully every week is because it strengthens you. He says that the preaching of Jesus Christ is gonna strengthen you. I was talking with somebody this week and just kind of walking with him, going through some marital stuff, not in this church, by the way. And, 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 and the, the one of the spouse, you know, the spouse was, had done something to offend. It wasn't just a little thing. It was, it was a big deal. And so, so the, the issue was like, how can I forgive? First of all, they didn't ask for forgiveness. And I don't even think they want forgiveness. So I, I mean, I can't even move forward. What am I, what am I supposed to do here? So what I said was, and maybe some of you need this today, like the reason why I forgive, why I'm called to forgive has nothing to do with the other person. 
It has nothing to do with them asking or if they deserve it or not. The issue really comes back to my understanding of the gospel. And like when I understand that in my sin, that in my rebellion, I was not a child of God. The Bible calls me an enemy of God. And before I ever was born, Romans 8 told us that God loved me, died for me, chose me, and saved me. Like now I have a little bit more understanding why I'm called to forgive. Not because I asked for it and because I was a good person or, or you know, because I deserved it, but through his grace. He said, Trent, I cho- I'm choosing you. I love you. I'm going to call you my son. And so now I have a motivation to extend that forgiveness to other people. Regardless if they ask, regardless if they deserve it. Like I'm forgiving because God forgave me and I want to imitate him and I want to, I want to bear that fruit just like him because I know the blessings and the rewards are going to come inside my heart and, and the peace that, that comes inside of my heart, the joy that comes in my heart, that when I follow the gospel and I imitate Christ, that's what I too enjoy. See, the gospel strengthens us. He says also that uh, the revelation and the mystery that was kept secret for long ages has now been disclosed through the prophetic writing. So the, the Old Testament, Jesus is coming. A Messiah is coming. Suffering servant is coming. He's going to change everything. He's going to restore everything. And yet people didn't get it. It was still a mystery. They still couldn't wrap their minds around it. What does it mean? And then, then Jesus comes and dies on the cross and, and he is raised from the grave and he ascends into heaven. And he gives us the great commission. And now he says, now it's been made known to you. And not just to you, but now, according to what God's command is, it's to go to all nations. It's to go to every color. It's to go to every nation. It's to go all around the world with this message, according to the command of the eternal God, to bring about the obedience of faith. To bring about obedience by faith means that people are accepting Christ because they're obeying through faith. And so through faith, we're saved. And so through the obedience of faith here, that means people are accepting Christ. And that's what we're called to do, to to share and persuade and, and to teach and to proclaim. And then folks understand and God saves. They come to obedience in the faith. And then to the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. I mean, what a powerful passage to end it with God's glory because it is all about God's glory. Everything in our life is about his glory and should point to him. And, 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 and that leads us to make changes in our life. In Romans chapter 11, it says this. We read it a few weeks ago, verses 33 through 36. It says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from him and through him and to him are all things. To him be glory forever. Amen. You see, God's not like asking advice. He's not sitting down, you know, with the angels saying, hey, look, I got this guy, Trent. He's an idiot. What do you guys think I should do? Let's bounce some ideas. No, a creative spirit here. No, no wrong answers. Let's get it flowing. I mean, God is not having a creative jam session up in heaven trying to figure out what to do next. He is the only wise God. See, some of us come in today, we're serving some gods, little g gods, not capital G, little g, and we're worshiping idols such as materialism, you know, popularity. Some of us are worshiping you know, hobbies, whatever, whatever it might be. 
to the only wise God, the only one worthy of my time, talent, and treasure. So everything should, should focus and, and like point to him in my life. And, and if I'm doing that, then all the hobbies and materialism and all that kind of stuff falls into place. But my heart's desire is, is him. See, he is the all-wise God. Here, here's why this is important. Three things, three important truths. And I'm going to close and we're going to sing. And we're going to worship today in response. But when we understand God's wisdom, when we understand God's glory, here are a few things that begin to happen. Number one, we worship him more passionately. Like now worship is not just Sunday morning. Worship is a lifestyle. Like with my time, talent, and treasures, I am worshiping him so that I'm giving, you know, out of joy. I'm, I'm serving. And, and so when, my, when I'm listening to a sermon, like I'm engaged and I'm listening because I want to eat it up. I want to devour it and I want to know who God is. And so I'm worshiping while the preaching of his word is taking place. And then the music plays. And, and so I'm not just kind of eking my way through the music, but I am, I am praising God with my voice. And so there is, there's, a, there's an activity that happens when we we worship God passionately. This last service, somebody walked out and said, man, I've got a headache. I was like, oh man, was the music too loud? He was like, no, I was singing so loud. My throat hurts, my head hurts. I was like, man, that's a cool headache to have. You know, it's like sweat pits coming. I was like, I oh, don't man, you need to check that out. But anyway, he was, he was into the worship. I mean, because there's a response to our God when we understand who he is. There's a physical response. Secondly, trust him more intensely. So in the area of my relationships, I'm trusting him more intensely. And so I'm trusting him. And God, I don't know how this is going to uh, turn out. And I know I need to forgive and I'm going to forgive. And I don't know what's going to happen when I do that. And uh, all kinds of bad things might happen. But God, I'm just going to trust you because I know this is what I'm supposed to do. And I read the Bible. And I know the Bible says that, that his word is a lamp unto my feet. And so that I, I, I know step one and two from the lamp, but I can't see five, six, seven down there. I can't see that. I want to know that, but I, but I can't see it. I just know what I'm supposed to do today. So I'm going to trust you today, God, with what I know to do. I'm going to go there and do that because I know this is what you've called me to do. And we're trusting him more intensely. And then finally, we obey him more joyfully. So as I obey him, it's not, oh man, I got to go serve today or, I got to talk about Jesus today. You know, can you imagine like as a pastor showing up to preach and be like, oh, geez, I got to preach. Like none of you, all, you would all go home. So we want to know that we are serving and obeying him joyfully. And when we, when we know his wisdom, when we wrap our, begin to wrap our minds around his grace and his glory, then serving is like, dude, I love this. This is not work. I love serving and, and, and God brings joy into our heart and where there was darkness, now there is light and where there was so much selfishness as I serve him joyfully, God helps me to understand what true life is all about. Here's, this is how we change. This is how God changes as we get to know him and begin to live our life for his glory. It's all about him. Everything is all about God. You know, as we close today, we're going to show some videos uh, just of, of some folks who have shared with us what God has done in their life over the last uh, several months going through the book. And, and we're, we're going to sing and worship. And we want this to just be a time where we can celebrate what God has done in our church and celebrate what he has done in our life. And I know some of you probably come in and you're like, man, I, I, I don't even know Jesus. And man, I, maybe I'm struggling with my salvation, whatever it is. Maybe you just need prayer. Uh, our care and prayer room, right when you go out the doors to the left, has people in it. They would love to pray with you and counsel with you. And even as we worship, 
worship and sing today. We're going to have some folks standing by this door to your right, my left. And, and any time during this music, during, during our worship time, uh, if you have a decision or something that you want to pray about, they'd love to, to help you with that. Um, but as we close, I just want to bow and just ask God's blessing upon this time and, and ask God's encouragement in this place. I was praying this morning with the group of, of men before the service and God just spoke to me and shared something with me that, that really hit me. And that was, if, if you guys have been here, you know, from Romans 1, or maybe you jumped in halfway, but you've been here for a while, just want to encourage you, you know everything you need to know to share the gospel with somebody now. You know, and, and, and not only do you know, but you, you have everything that you need to have in order to make disciples. Because you've, you've read the gospel. You've seen the gospel. You've let it hit your heart. So, so all those doubts of I can't do it and, and I don't know enough, bro, you, you know enough. You've been here. So all you have to do now is that whole trusting him more intensely. Thanks for listening. More information about Foothills Church is available at foothillschurch.com.